Okay, so um, this morning we're going to keep going through the, our summer in the Psalms. Um, today we're going to be going through Psalms 8, so if you guys have your Bibles, if you guys are able to turn to that, we're just going to read that together here before we actually begin. Um, if you guys can follow. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, and out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor." You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Um, while, while we were having uh, worshiping here, um, another song kind of stood out. And I just kind of to read a couple of the words before we actually get into it. Because we're reading through here, we're, reading, we're talking about creation. Psalms 8 is somewhat of a cre- creation hymn of sorts. So the song here that kind of stood out, I'm just going to read a little bit of it here. It's uh, from God of Wonders. It says, Lord of all creation, Lord of water, earth, and sky, the heavens are your tabernacle, glory to the Lord on high. And God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you're holy. The universe declares your majesty, you're holy. Lord of heaven, and earth. I don't know, when we read Psalms 8, um, I don't know about you, it, it, it's not hard for many of us to picture David as the speaker. Um, he could be a shepherd, a king, an outlaw, or, you, or even a victim, right? But however, this morning, we're going to read through this again, um, Psalms 8. But I want you to picture someone else speaking those words. I want you to think of Adam. So when I was preparing, I heard another pastor uh, really encourage us to kind of think of the words in Psalms 8 come from Adam because it it kind of takes me back to the the garden before sin entered the world, right? And that's kind of verses 6 8 really capture the essence of that. Because we read in Genesis, um, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. We see that Psalms 8 is kind of like this creation hymn of sorts. It talks about how God created the world and gave humans the responsibility, responsibility to take care of it. It's a way for us to thank God for what he did on the sixth day of creation when he made humans and gave them authority over the earth. So for that, mo- for, for that reason, let's imagine for a moment that these words of Psalm 8 are not spoken by David, but actually spoken by Adam himself on that very first night. So picture Adam, right? Picture Adam with the breath of God still fresh in his nostrils, looking up at the, 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 the sky filled with stars Filled with planets, he smells the flowers all surrounding him for the first time and hears the mighty, mighty roars of the animals that are around him. So then Adam responds this way. When I look at your heaven, 
When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. And you've put all things under his feet. We see here, when, when you imagine Adam speaking those words, um, I believe they take on a different shape, right? We see Psalm 8 is not just about admiring nature, but about understanding the essence of being human, right? We see Psalm 8 reveals that, that profound purpose of our existence. It's like a, um, a promise we make as humans, acknowledging our role and our responsibility in worshiping, but also honoring God who created us. I see this, this psalm really answers that question, that, uh, the age-old question asking about what does it mean to be a human? I'm going to mess this up. I know I will. There we go. We see here is anthropology is a study of what defines our humanity, right? And there are books and so many different experts that really um, are dedicated to exploring what anthropology really is. But honestly, if we want a concise and powerful answer, we simply just need to turn to Psalms 8. Because we see here, it reveals the truth of who we are and what we're meant to be. It's like a guidebook, simply that can save us a lot of searching and help us understand ourselves better. Because simply put, we were made to worship the Creator and work the creation. As one created in the image of God, and as one, but a little lower than the heavenly beings, we are to wonder and, and marvel at God's power and kindness. We are to make war in furthering the kingdom. We are to rest in God's care over us. And we are to celebrate the worth of our humanness, and we are to work his creation and worship God in spirit and in truth. But here's something that, that we, is, we need to really remember is that as we explore what it means to be human in this psalm, we cannot lose sight of our focus on God. This is why I, I, I titled today's um, message about how majestic is your name. His name is majestic. We just read it even in that song. Um, sometimes when we talk about humanity, we might unintentionally shift the spotlight away from God. And that's not what this psalm does. And it keeps God at the center, and its response is one of thankfulness. Right, so we see this psalm, Psalms 8, speaks about our identity and our responsibilities given to us as humans, but it's not the main point. The main point is to simply praise and thank God. Right, our understanding of, uh, of ourselves as humans should always come after our deep love and devotion to God. So when we truly love God, we will have a better understanding of what it means to be human. Right? And the more we know and love God, the better we will understand ourselves. So I, I have six points I want to talk about this morning um, that go through the entire uh, Psalms 8. We saw the first and the last line of this psalm. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So the first one is, we're, we are to marvel at God's glory and his majesty. 
When we fulfill our purpose as humans, we reveal our, our, our wonder, our marvel, and amazing at God's breathtaking glory, which is even greater than the breathtaking things that he has created. And as Christians, we should simply be amazed and astonished at, this, at everything that he has created. Like imagine yourself here, you're at the edge of a cliff, looking over the, the entire wild all around you, the, the air is crisp, it's just, it's hurting your lungs, it's so good, right? We, we, we hear, the, we, we smell the, the scent of the pine trees all surrounding us. And as you look out, you see this, the, 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 this clear lake, crystal clear lake, just among the trees and in the hills. And on that lake, you see just the, the, the hues of the sun reflecting off the water. And then just the, the trees standing out. We see the sun's rays uh, filtering through those trees, casting a, a, a glow onto the landscape. And in this moment, time stands still. We can't help but be captivated by the sheer beauty and nature that is around you. You start to become filled with this awe and this um, wonder. You're reminded of the incredible power and the artistry that God has created in the natural world. Right? It's in these, these moments of just being filled with awe where you feel that deep connection to something greater than yourself. You're filled with this profound uh, appreciation for everything that is, exists around you. As, as some of you guys know, this past week, I was in BC, and we went up to this um, lake. I, tomorrow's not here. I'm going to mess up names. Silver Spring or Silver Creek. I don't know. There's this really nice, it's a little, it's a nasty hike. And you get up this hike, and you get to this, I, I remember, I wish I put a picture up there, but you come out of the trees, and all you see is this really beautiful blue, green, clear water. And all the hills surrounding it, the trees surrounding it, the sun right there, it is perfect. I just couldn't imagine just, it, it, God created all of that. I went into the water, it was cold, but it was beautiful. Just imagine, like, and I'm not talking about this river, this river is dirty, but that river was really nice. <laughs> but being filled with that awe is an amazing feeling. So what makes us react like that? Well, being amazed by nature is something that simply all humans, all of us, can really relate to. But being amazed by the creator of nature is what makes us unique as Christians. When we admire the beauty, the, the nature surrounding us, um, it should remind us to think about the beauty and the greatness of God. Sang by the ocean at night is not just as peaceful and, and quiet place for thinking, but it's an opportunity to understand more about who God is. And from that very beginning of creation, we can see God's power and, and his special nature, even though we can't see him directly. When we, when in, this, in this psalm we're reading, David exactly does exactly that. In the first verse, he looks at the sky and thinks, wow, God is even bigger than this. Then in the third verse, he looks at the moon and stars and realizes, oh, God is... God, the God who made all of this actually cares about me too. 
Everything he sees reminds him of how great and how kind and how caring God really is. He tries to squeeze out every little bit of God's character from creation to understand everything that God has put into creation. We should really train our eyes and our hearts to see glimpses of our Savior wherever he shows himself to us. We should search everywhere for him. In, in the Song of Solomon 3.2, the bride says, I will get up now and roam around the city in the streets and in the squares. I will search for the one I love. Search for the one you love. I, I, I heard this uh, while doing kind of my, my preparation for this. I heard uh, a saying from John Piper. John Piper compared the pulpit to a mine shaft and the act of preaching uh, to digging deep into the mine of the Bible and coming out to the front of the church with diamonds to share. If you really think about well, that's a powerful image. But the good news is you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a pastor to find these gems. Well, most of these gems are found in the Bible. The book of Romans tells us that God has planted glimpses of his attributes all around us. We should be mining, mining everywhere for God. We should be finding glimpses of God in, uh, in nature, in books, in our music, in our friends, in, in art. But not just to be knowledgeable, but because we want to actually find new words to describe God. We want those fresh pictures in our minds to help us understand him better than we have before. We want the truth of the Bible to sink deeper in our hearts. And it's worth traveling for days just to stand at the edge of a cliff looking over the, the, the Grand Canyon, per se. Or even walking over to the ocean, the edge of the ocean, and just looking out at the sunset or even the sunrise and just shout. Even if it's just to ourselves, but that the glory of God is even greater than the amazing sight you're seeing at that moment. Think about creation about without worshiping the creator. It's like worshiping something other than God. So go ahead. Take that picture, but also take a moment to pray. Take a moment to thank God. When you go into the woods, you, you, you take a guidebook with you. you. You take that the map so you don't get lost. Or you put a string on a tree so you can follow that on the way out. That's more me because I don't like carrying things. But anyways, breadcrumbs. Okay. Yeah, but animals will eat that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but seriously, we bring something with us on it when we go hiking, when we go on trips. You go travel outside the country, where are you going to have? You're going to have a, things to do in wherever. You're going to have that. But maybe bring your Bible as well. We need to remember that God is majestic everywhere we see in verse two here uh we are we are warriors for god's kingdom it says here out of the mouths of babes and infants you've established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger see i believe that this verse shows us that when we worship and when we praise god it becomes a powerful weapon against the enemy the enemies of god that even the little children and the infants, the babies, can sh show God's strength by silencing the enemy. This is true for anybody, strong or weak. 
God calls all of his people, the young, the old, the strong, the weak, to join his army. It's a unique army armed with his spirit. If you remember in Judges, um, in the, that in the story of Gideon, we learned that a large army of 32,000 was too big to fight the enemy. So even an army of 10,000 was too large. It was only the number when, when the number was reduced to 300 that God brought glory by defeating the enemy. I read this part from, from um, John Calvin, and it really explains this well. Um, it's, it's paraphrased, but you get, you'll get the hint. Is God's providence doesn't wait until people grow up to make itself known. Even from infancy, God's presence is evident and can confound those who reject God's name. Even babies can be powerful champions of God and defeat the enemies of God. Divine providence is so apparent that even infants can bring down the fury of God's enemies. God has appointed children, even from infancy, to be defenders of his glory. Are you young? Do you feel like maybe your best years are behind you? Well, I want to say this. God has chosen you to defend his glory. Maybe you have a cane in one hand and the Bible in the other. Well, guess what? God can still use, use you to defeat the enemies of God. If you're sick, God can still use you. He doesn't choose, he, God doesn't only choose healthy people for his army, but he also chooses the lame and even the sick bed. You can shine brightly and be amazed those who reject God. God will use you wherever you're at. Whatever you're going through, God can use you. It's whether or not you will let God use you. We see after Jesus entered Jerusalem and was worshipped by children in the temple, the Pharisees criticized him. We see Jesus responded by quoting this verse. You did it. <laughs> and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. See, basically, he is saying that even the little children and the babies can offer praise to God. We see children worshiping and singing can strike a blow against the false religions and the hypocrisy of the world. Worship is a form of warfare. See, Psalms 149 says, let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and, and punishments on the people. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I think we as humans think music can be just a hobby, a fun thing to do, and when kids do it, they're super cute, which they are. Right? You, you, the Christmas plays, Christmas concerts, and the kids are singing their hearts out. It's awesome to watch that. It is cute. We always take videos. I still have mine for my kids. But let's create worship music that pierces like a sword. And then let the children wield it. Sing and teach your children to sing loud. Loud enough for the enemy to hear. Let them praise God with the powerful voices they have and hold the two-edged sword of his word. 
It's warfare. Yes, right now I'm talking about the kids, but this is, I'm talking about each and every one of us. Let's spend time to worship. Let's lift up our voices. I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about all types of worship. We see this next one here is, we are watched by him. And that's verses three and four. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Think about how kind God is. He didn't just create us and give us gifts, but he made it possible for us to be friends with him. He wants to be close to us today. He connects with us through his word, his spirit, and his church. I wanted to play a video. It would not work. But there's a wonderful song out there. You guys might know it. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is... Yeah, see, I know some got it. Yes. Okay. I wanted to play it, but it was so bad. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, he cares for us and loves us through these means. So let's take a moment to reflect on David's thoughts about God's mercy And God spoke everything into existence, and his glory and greatness are even higher than his creation. But here's the amazing part. God turned his attention to us. He didn't just notice us. He, he, He also made us in his image, showed us his love, took care of us, and even sent his son Jesus for us. So all of this, even though we're not perfect, we're even special on our own. Isn't that kind of incredible? That God's kindness and love are beyond measure? He wants to be our friend, our guide, our protector. He's chosen to focus on us, flawed as we are. So when you remember that we are not alone, God is always with you and ready to be your friend and take care of you. His love for you is immeasurable and constant. If you're familiar with the story of David, this verse in the psalm might remind you of how David actually responded to God in 2 Samuel when God made a special promise to him. So let's take a look at what David said starting from verse 7 here. Yeah, you can read that. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep that you have that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I'll make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I? Oh Lord God, what is my house that you have brought me thus far? You see, David understood that he was not special, he was not important. He knew he was just a regular person, a shepherd from a small town. But despite that, he knew that God cared for him and blessed him greatly. When God took him from being shepherd to becoming a prince, he realized that God was paying attention to him and actually taking care of him. But what about us? We're not princes. We're not really important people. 
We're just regular shepherds. We're going to compare what we just read with Matthew 6. We see in Psalms 8, David looked at the stars that God created and then thought about how insignificant he was in comparison. He was amazed that the same God who made the stars also protected and cared for him. We saw that David was so confident that he was being watched over and cared for by God. But on the other hand, Jesus spoke to people who were not so confident that they were being cared for. Jesus told them not to worry about their lives, but to look at the birds and the flowers as examples. He says, if God takes care of them, how much more will he take care of us, who are even more valuable to him? Jesus wanted them to know that they can trust God to watch over them and provide for their needs. So we're going to read Matthew 6, 25 to 34, where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither saw nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable? Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which uh, today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious. Church, we see that David starts by looking at something grand and something vast, like the stars in the sky, to show us that God is able to care for and watch over us, even though we may feel small and insignificant. We see Jesus, on the other hand, uh, starts by looking at the small things like the birds and the flowers to show us that he is willing to care for and provide for us even in our everyday lives. Your own life story um, alone may not always give you confidence that God cares for you and pays attention to you. But when your own life experiences fall short, remember his words to you. That the same God who created the stars in the sky is powerful enough to care about you. The same God who clothes the flowers in the field wants to take care of you. In verse 5, we read here is that we are worthy of honor. It says, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly being and crowned him with glory and honor. Sometimes when we read the Psalms, there are things that surprise us. For example, David boldly claims to be innocent or talks about his enemies in a harsh way. We see this in, in when we read Psalm 18. We might wonder if David, if David truly had completely clean hands or if there's something bothering his conscience at the time. Or when we read Psalms 3, we might be surprised that David speaks about his enemies in such a powerful, strong way. We see verse 5 might make us feel the same way. And as Christians, we often feel more comfortable acknowledging our flaws than our worthiness. So as God made us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor, you bet he did. He has done so by his grace. 
We can embrace and appreciate the, the human race because God created us, our bodies, our minds, and all that we represent God's incredible work. So deny this truth is like blind, blindfolding ourselves at the base of an, a, a mountain or at the shoreline of an amazing ocean. We might as well just blindfold ourselves. As, as Christians, we should boldly claim the honor of being human. Even when the secular world may not fully understand or even appreciate it. See, the world pretends to value and elevate humanity, but its humanism is shallow and deceptive. We, on the other hand, celebrate the beauty and the uniqueness of our bodies, our talents, and all that makes us human. Yet we recognize that our true worth comes from God, who created us and placed an eternal soul within us. We give thanks to God for this. You see, it's important to understand that God values, uh, what God values may be different from what the world values. Uh, a few weeks ago when I was up, oh, a couple weeks ago, um, I spoke, uh, I gave an example in, from the Chronicles of Narnia. But I have another example. And this, this one is when Aslan gives a speech and consciousness to certain creatures in Narnia. We see the smaller animals become bigger but the larger ones become smaller. Similar, similarly? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Becoming a Christian and living in, in the church can change our perspective. You see, those who may seem insignificant in the world can become significant in the eyes of God, while those who are considered important by the world may become humble. Some of the honor and glory that God puts on his children may not be recognized by the world. The world may not value the qualities like mourning, the qualities like meekness, or, 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 or the hunger for righteousness. And it might not value mercy or the purity of heart, value peacemaking or enduring uh, persecution for doing what is right. But in God's eyes, these qualities are precious and make up the true beauty of what humanity really is. Even if the world doesn't see it, God does. See, the next one here is we also are workers of his creation. That's verses 6 to 8. It says here, You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. We're not only called to worship God as a creator, but we're also called to actively take care of his creation. In the Bible, the word dominion is used in this way only two other times. Once with Adam in Genesis 1, and once again with Noah in Genesis 9. See, but both these times, the messages are very similar. However, in Psalms 8, we see something unique. We see the idea of dominion is not given as a command from God, but rather an expression of gratitude from humanity back to God. 
the important thing to remember is we should be always giving thanks to God for our work. Our work is not just something we have to do, but it's something we get to do because it is an honor. It's like a crown given to us, signifying the trust and the authority that we have been given. We see that, uh, and David teaches us that expressing thanks for our work has a place in our corporate worship. In, in, in fact, almost a third of this psalm is essentially a description of humanity's jobs, responsibilities. It, it's saying, I'm in charge of this, and I'm in charge of that, I'm in charge of that. Oh, yeah, right, that too. I'm also in charge of that. You see, these words presented in, in this form can be used and embraced in our own worship. Take a moment and just think about what God has placed you in charge of. It could be simply put your job. It can be for the kids and teens. It could be your schoolwork. It could be taking care of your children. It can be responsibilities at home. Or it can be something as simple as figuring out dinner. Each of these responsibilities represent a kingdom where you have the authority. We need to pray like Solomon that you will govern these areas well. We need to be faithful in even the small matters. We need to give thanks to God during our worship for the responsibilities that you have been given. We need to confess to God any failures or even shortcomings in fulfilling that responsibility. And ask God in worship for his help and success in carrying out those tasks. I know in, in over a month, school starts up again. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, everyone's gone anyways. They're good. Um, but maybe take a moment. We need, to, we need to pray for the teachers. Pray for the parents who are homeschooling. Pray for the, 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 the school, like the, the counselors in the schools. There's a lot of stuff going on in the school system, and you know, unfortunately, they're left on their own. But we, as a church, can be praying for them. Or we can pray about so-and-so, that, you know, they're having a hard time at home, let's pray for them. Or you know what, they're doing well, guess what, I'm still going to pray for them. It doesn't matter if they're having a hard time or a good time, let's spend time in prayer. When you work, the work you do is not only important within the church, but it also extends beyond the church. You see, the efforts that you put uh, in during the week become essentially the building blocks for our collective prayer and praise. Likewise, the prayers, the praise we engage in today become the foundation for the work and the mission of the coming days. We really need to be serious when it comes to taking the authority of what God has given us. Don't take it for granted. God has placed people in your lives. If you have kids, they've placed those kids. He placed those kids in your life. If you have you know, a certain friend who might be going through a hard thing, well, guess what? God's placed that person in your life. If you struggle with your work, if you struggle with your home life, if you struggle with relationships, 
if you struggle in the church, you're not alone. God is with you. We also need to understand that we are here to pray for you and to support you as well. I've gone to churches, I've grown up in churches where I felt alone. But we as Christians, we're not called to, to do that. We're called to walk alongside and to be encouraging. So we have these things that, 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 that this psalm talks about creation. And, and in a way, I, I see it in, into that humanism side of it. But also see it as an encouragement for our church family. We're, we're, called, to, we're called to be workers of his creation. Workers of creation is everything that surrounds us. We see this, um, this one here, verses 1 and 9. We are worshipers of him. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We see that as, as human beings, worship is an essential part of who we are. It's ingrained in our nature. I talked about, uh, uh, I think at youth here, is if you went to a, a hockey game, right? You went to a hockey game and your team scores. What's happening? You're raising your hands in excitement. You're praising, look, that my team did it. We won, blah, 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 blah. How often do we do that with God? Look, God has won. Is he, he is amazing. I just want to spend time in worship. I'm raising my hands. How do we do that? It's so easy to get into routine where you say, yeah, thank you, God. And that's it. But we are called to be worshipers of him. We saw David here. He's saying, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. He's declaring that. He is shouting it. He's not saying, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Am I done yet? No. He is so excited. Are you excited to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? The question is now is what or who do we worship? Do we worship money? Do we worship our hockey teams? Do we worship this person that's in our life? When we worship those false gods, it dehumanizes us and it distorts our true identity. Or the, the, this camp over the past uh, week here, I, I talked about the threads of living the way that God wants us to live. Right? So I, mean, I talked about our identity. And the identity part came into what do we worship? Right? What do we surround ourselves by? Right? And then we talked about the spiritual battles that as, as Christians, as, as just humans, we are going through. There's spiritual battle going on everywhere we are, right? And then we talk about if you're thirsty, go to the, the running, the true living water. We talked about giving our life. It, 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 we, we hear about the prodigal son, right? The, the son runs off, wastes all his inheritance, everything, but he comes back running. And what is the father? He runs out to see him, gives him a kiss on the cheek. Well, guess what? We may have ran so far away, we don't, might not even realize that we need to be doing this sort of stuff. But God's saying, hey, look, I see my son. I see my daughter. I'm going to go after them. 
He's chasing after you just as much as you're chasing after him. He loves you. He cares about you. And as humans, we need to really understand that. We need to understand that this worship, that, that God actually truly cares about us. You're never too far away from God. He's there excitedly waiting for you. He's so excited when he sees you. When we get back to this worship side, we see this is, you aren't what you eat, but you are what you worship. We see Psalms 8 gives us a glimpse of how God intended us to be. We are meant to be marvelers. We're meant to marvel. We, we are workers of his creation. We are warriors. And we're worshipers. To illustrate how worship really functions within our, um, our spiritual uh, uh, anatomy, we're going to look at Psalms 115. Um, the reason why, that's, it's a big contrast. We see Psalms 115 describes nations worshiping idols, which are lifeless and powerless. We see here that Psalms 8 is an x-ray uh, of a life, Whereas Psalms 115 is the uh, autopsy of a corpse. Speaking of the pagan nations surrounding Israel. So David writes this. He says, their idols are silver and gold. Their work, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. Eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel. Feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Anyways, we're going to keep going. Um, you see, <laughs> you all caught that. Um, do you see the difference? We see Psalms 115 lays out the opposite of Psalms 8. We see Psalms 8 uh, presents us with a picture of a man as he was created to be, worshiping the creator and working the creation. Where Psalms 115 describes the unmaking, the uncreating of, of a man. We see the worship of God does not subtract from life. It adds to it. We see Psalms 8 shows us the beauty of what true worship is. Where we honor and Adore the creator while fulfilling our purpose in his creation. On the other hand, false worship leads to that gradual decay and dehumanization. Turns us into those lifeless statues. I want to encourage you as, as we come to a close here this week. If you have an opportunity, go drive somewhere you haven't been and just admire the creation. Bring your Bible with you and just admire. Spend time in prayer. Spend time looking at what God has created. And then remind yourself that God created you. Too often we go, uh, especially during summer, we, we go camping, you go driving around, you go visit everything. But we don't take the moment to say, hey, this looks beautiful. We don't take the moment saying, hey, oh yeah, God created this. We just look at what's around us, but we don't 
always admire the creator. So what now? Here's the good news, and then we have the challenging news. The good news is that we are crowned with glory and honor. We are special. We are valuable. We are chal- we, the, the, the challenging news is that we belong to God. We are not our own. We're called to be those living sacrifices, offering our whole selves to God as an act of worship. We see that worship is both the beginning of true life and a journey that will require dying to our old selves. It involves letting go of sin and idols and the empty pursuits of this world. We see that it, it, it is a very, very beautiful death. Death that leads to true fulfillment. It's, it's about desiring what God wants to give us the most, himself. So let's embrace worship as a pathway to abundant life. Even if it means letting go of what we think we want. Let's present ourselves to God as, a li- as living sacrifices, ready to experience his love. His purpose is true fulfillment. Again, Psalms 8 was a creation hymn of sorts. We, it, it, I'm going to read it one more time as we close here. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens and over the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and all the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Don't take the things that are around us for granted. We're, we are called to marvel at the creation that God has created. We're called to be warriors to further the kingdom. We're called to be workers of, the, of his creation. Don't take that for granted either. We're called to just worship the king. And you need to understand you are all worthy of honor. When you don't feel like you are, well, you're wrong. Because you are worthy of honor. Let's pray. And as I pray, we'll have the worship team come back up as we close. Let's close our eyes. Hey, Father, we just thank you for who you are. Thank you that you can continue to um, show us your, your creation and everywhere that we look, that we can see the glimpses of, of your attributes all around us, or that we can just uh, stop taking things for granted and, and be proud of the work that you've given us to do, because it is an honor. It's not a, it's not something that we have to do, but we want to do, because it is an honor 
to work your creation. Lord, now as we spend time in worship and song, Lord, I just pray, just as we read that out of the mouths of babies and infants, Lord, that, that we as, as, as humans, we just lift up our voices as loud as we can just to worship the King of Kings. Worship you, Father, because you're, you're the reason why we sing. Father, we thank you that you've blessed each and every one of us here. And Lord, as, um, as we lift up our voice, as we stand in song, Lord, I just ask that strongholds be broken, the walls be torn down, that we just offer our hearts truly and fully to you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for everything you've created. We lift you up in my name. Amen.